Hi, I am Art Wright, and I'm a member of Tabernacle Baptist Church here in Richmond, Virginia, also serving as the theologian in residence for the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Virginia. And uh, I'm here with Sterling Severance, who's the senior pastor at Tabernacle Baptist Church. And we are recording this video in, uh, in an attempt to have a conversation together about how Tabernacle is adapting to the current uh, changes and hmm. uh, the challenges that we are facing as a congregation, uh, you know, in the midst of this um, global pandemic that is uh, upending all areas of life. And certainly churches are wrestling acutely with this. What does it mean to be church right now as we um, literally, you know, have the ground uh, shifting underneath our feet hmm. daily? So um, I, I might have, Sterling introduced himself briefly, but our hope is to talk about how Tabernacle is adapting in terms of offering worship uh, and educational offerings. Uh, we might get into pastoral care and mission, depending on how our time goes, on how we care for one another virtually during this strange season in the life of the church. Our hope is to help the universal church, uh, as Sterling and I talked about a little bit earlier. We don't claim that Tabernacle has figured it out yet, but we hope to no. be. <laughs> no, <laughs> hopeful, uh, helpful and hopeful, perhaps, uh, and be a part of the conversation uh, as as uh, as this situation continues to evolve in the light of the coronavirus. Sterling, would you like to say anything by means of introduction? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having. I'm, I'm really glad to be with you all. And just to reiterate what Art is saying, the really the goal here is for the little C church, which is Tabernacle in this scenario, to help the big C church. And so we hope that what we talk about here today is helpful to you. But I just want to make it really clear. We've all been to seminars or conferences where like somebody puts somebody big and flashy up there and everybody's just thinking, well, that must be nice. Uh, the goal, I think the goal for me is for us just to get really practical and for me to make it clear that some of the some of the things we're discussing now we haven't even implemented yet. We're just kind of thinking, how would we do this? And so we we don't have it all together, in other words. And so we would welcome um, others to to create things like this to say, here's what I've learned, so that we can all lean on each other, so that we can be the church together. Absolutely, it is a time yeah. for creative thinking. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. theological thinking too. Um, That's so. right. Well, Sterling, um, thanks so much for, for joining me. Uh, I wonder if you can sketch these days as we navigate realities of life with the, the coronavirus pandemic. Sort of big, big picture. Uh, can you repeat the first part of it? We got laggy. This is okay. a good test for us. <laughs> what did you say at the very beginning? What are some of the big things on your mind these days? Big picture, uh, big pieces. Big pieces yeah. of the okay, puzzle that you're Yeah, so I think um, I think for me the big picture, just again, the purpose of this this time together being a very practical time together is that we know that the church is living with it along with everybody in the world is living with a tremendous amount of anxiety, and so yeah. pastors obviously have got to do a good job of taking care of themselves and nurturing their relationship with Christ. And at the same time, encouraging others to do the same without um, diminishing the anxiety that people are feeling, where it's almost like we're shaming people for feeling anxious, if that makes sense. I think that there's been a quick rush for a lot of us to talk about the gift that is Sabbath, which is true, the gift that is the great reset button, and the tremendous potential that this moment has to reshape things, moving things in the direction of kingdom. 
But I also think at the same time, if we jump to that so quickly that we don't acknowledge the anxiety and the pain that folks are in, that we are missing a critical step of just validating where people are. And so from a big picture perspective, I think we would be wise as leaders of congregations to remind the church that things will be okay, that Jesus at the same time promised things would never be easy, that we're supposed to pick up our cross. And I think rightfully so, the church is doing a good job saying, how do we connect and how do we care for each other? But the great impetus behind this gospel movement is outward. And so Mm. we've got to remind the church what we're here for. Mm -hmm. Like it, there has to be an outward thinking component that's there from the very beginning along with the other stuff. And so that's overwhelming (laughs) with all the details that we're in. But I just think it's critical that we start the beginning of this new journey together that will last for who knows how long and who knows what it will look like on the other side with reminder of why we're here, you know, what the role of the church is. Yeah. And then there's just, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Temptation is to self-isolate and uh, as individuals, but also as church. And so, yeah, I think you're right. We need to care for one another as churches and congregations, but then also uh, figure out how we are church in the world and presence of Christ in the world too. Yeah, you look at the early part of the, the, the book of Acts and what do we see, but the church taking care of widows and orphans, but then others that are designated for the specific role of going out and both are critical roles right now. We just need to remember that it, it all matters. And so that's the gift that is the unique, the unique way that God's wired each of us is we've got people in our flock that are still trying to get their bearings, of course, and will be for a while, but need to be reminded God's made you this way for a reason. And so we're going to have to live in that tension. And I think God will guide us in doing it. I think so too. Yeah. Well, t- well tell us, um, I know that this is, probably uh, uh, an acute concern for a lot of pastors and leaders in church, how Tabernacle is navigating worship right now. How are you all offering Mm. worship on Sundays? Uh, What did you all do this past Sunday? What did you learn from that experience for moving forward for the immediate future? Yeah, thanks. Um, So for us, our understanding of what it means to worship as a a local congregation, you know, Baptist and that whole autonomy of the local church thing uh, that we we really believe strongly in, and also the priesthood of all believers, is that worship is participatory. So Mm -hmm. for us, it's really important that as we move to this online version of um, gathering communally for worship, that we keep that as much as we possibly can. Now, we're all building this airplane while we fly it, so what we did last week will not be what we do for this week, and it's possible as we move closer and closer to everybody not being allowed to leave their houses uh, that we have to shift yet again, and so I know that this is a moving thing. So let me just say last Sunday what we did was we, we brought our, um, our pastoral staff into the sanctuary, only the pastoral staff members. We tried to separate ourselves as much as we could for social distancing purposes, and we led a worship service together through Livestream, which is the actual um, company that we pay to host our live streaming. Um, I know that's kind of confusing, but um, you can stream uh, in other platforms. We stream through Livestream. And we made heavy use of the chat feature at various mm-hmm. points in the worship service for people to pass the peace at the beginning and greet each other. 
for people to share prayer concerns that were on their hearts during the pastoral prayer movement moment, and then even posted um, uh, words to songs that we were singing. And in our, in our tradition, they would be hymns. And so we even posted hymns uh, and then offering. We posted a QR code that people could, if, if they weren't using their smartphone to watch the service, they could use the QR code to go straight to online giving. And um, it was a good interactive experience. It was a good first go. And then some people that couldn't participate in the live stream or found it to be laggy where it was cutting in and out um, could watch it after the fact, but then they didn't have the benefit of those interactive features. Um, skip to, to skip ahead to a question you haven't asked yet, but it's, that's very, it's very much closely connected. Now we're mobilizing um, different people in the church to read scripture lessons that we will then play the video of them reading it into that moment that it actually occurs in the worship service. Mm. And so we're starting to think through creative ways of pulling in video and audio recordings and just inserting them in. And for some of us, I'm, I'm speaking your language. And for the majority of people watching this, I'm guessing you're like, I have no idea what you just said. And I'm now part of that conference where it, you're, I'm thinking it must be nice. Uh, so I have some other practical suggestions to help somebody that's just doing it with a phone only. Um, but that's to answer your question. That's how we did it last week. And that's how we're hoping, this is what we're hoping to do this week. Mm -hmm. coming week. Yeah. The, so the challenge on the one hand is to, um, you know, logistically to present worship, but also we're not simply producing, uh, for example, a TV show, but we're trying to invite people into some sort of participatory model and we're rapidly That's right. um, yes. trying to figure out how to do that. That's right. There's a great article that was just released and Art, maybe you can share the link and I'll, I'll do the same with however we blast this out there called How to Lead Online Worship Without Losing Your Soul or Your Body. And it was written by a guy named David Taylor um, out of Fuller. And it's a really helpful article that was shared with me by Rachel Pierce at First Baptist Ashland here in Virginia. And it's just eight practical tips for how to approach this if you're not somebody that's got a ton of tech savvy and how to prioritize the important stuff. So it's a really good article I read just right before we got online here today. Mm -hmm. One, one thing that I will say about, I, I watched about half of the worship on Sunday before I had to get on the road. Um, but I appreciated how you acknowledged the, um, the current situation and the awkwardness of it. Um, but then it wasn't, worship wasn't about that. Right. So you leaned yeah. into some attention and acknowledged it. Uh, and acknowledged that it was going to be a worship service like none other, but then it really was worship and it was about God and moving through the season of Lent together and not uh, lingering, you know, at, at great length on, uh, you know, the, the coronavirus situation. Yeah, I, I think that one of the natural temptations we have when we're physically in our buildings together is that worship, if we aren't careful, is already somewhat of a consumeristic thing where we come and just watch. And now with us out of necessity moving to online, if we aren't careful, we're just creating low quality TV shows, right? Religious programming. And right. it, that may have its place, but that's not what worship is. Worship is all of us coming together with God as the audience. We aren't the audience, God is the audience. And so that's why I think it's so important that we use our creativity, even if we don't have a lot of technological means, let's use our creativity to help people um, worship God as audience. That's a really important thing. Like even right now, I'm watching you on a screen, you know, that, that just makes the, the temptation to make it all the more consumer driven. Right. It just it magnifies it. It's really uh, important. Yeah. For yeah. us. Yeah. 
how did it feel um, being alone in the church uh, <laughs> or with a small group of worship leaders? I'm just sort of wondering if, if I can put you on the spot for a second. Yeah, yeah. So on a, on a practical level, uh, you know, all of us are approaching this differently, right? So some of us are already, like my hands are raw from washing them so often. Me too. Um, but there are others that are just kind of thinking, this is just not that big of a deal. I think they're coming to the realization it's a bigger deal. But some of us, we're, we're at a different place in the spectrum. So it was acknowledging to the key group that was gathering there together. And I would say that, that, um, that this is a really important thing is, is that we started with an emphasis of we are here to worship and lead in worship, not perform. Because we don't have the benefit of a big of a group of, uh, in our case, 180, 200 people that are all in the same space worshiping together. We can't see others that are worshiping with us. We are not leading um, a performance-based worship service. And we need to remember that, that God, that, that this is worship of God. And so it's a heavy emphasis for leadership to worship the whole time. If you're not on camera in the moment, you're not off to the side checking, you know, a Facebook feed or what's on the local news feed. You're right. worshiping. Right. Now, we also, though, told people, don't sing out loud. Like, sing, mouth the words, look at the thing, but don't sing because it creates technical difficulties for us with weird echoes that creates a totally weird experience on the other side. We have, we have the gift of a couple of folks in the church that were present helping us with the technical stuff that are just amazing. A guy named Matt and another guy named David in particular that aren't on the staff. And and what we heard from Matt was, you have to remember what the person on the other side of the camera is, is seeing and hearing, not what you're hoping to project on this end. It's really important. And so we, we did a heavy emphasis on we are here to worship and facilitate worship. And secondly, we need to keep the person on the other end in mind as we create this thing. The last thing that I would say in response to your question is that we really, um, we really found it surreal to not hear ourselves in speakers in the sanctuary. We did mm. it in the sanctuary on purpose because that's oh. a familiar sacred space. So that was a right. very intentional decision on our part to um, physically do this in the sanctuary. If you, if you find that in, if you and we can't move into our sanctuaries to lead in worship in the days ahead, um, we're talking about maybe pre-recording in that space um, music being played um, or scripture passages being read that we could then insert. We just think there's value in showing the physical space for those of us that are in um, more traditional churches or what we would say is a retradition church is what Tabernacle is kind of how we identify ourselves. But, um, and then um, we, we just had to just acknowledge this is just going to be weird. So we just have to remember how important eye contact is. Like mm -hmm. you got to look dead into the camera as strange as this mm -hmm. is, you've got to look into a camera and speak into a space where there's no magnification. You have to speak in a natural tone of voice and not project like you usually would. And it just needs to feel very conversational, like what you and I are doing right now right. in order for it to feel intimate. So it was mm -hmm. a very deliberate, disciplined process for us. At least we tried yeah. to make it that way. Yeah. Right. Y'all did a great job. A couple of things I noticed you used the space differently than you normally do on Sunday mornings. Uh, for example, um, the readers, Meg and Jerusha, were actually set up to the side and there was a separate camera angle for them uh, for doing scripture readings and prayers of the people and so forth. And it, it was interesting. I thought y'all, um, it was good that y'all didn't feel um, like you had to use the space in the same way, but that y'all could be a little bit creative thinking about how to uh, 
how how you were going to present on camera. Yeah. Um, for, um, let, let me say, we've all had that person in our life. This is my pet peeve as a photographer um, is light. So we've all had that person walk up to us, probably our mama or grandmama that lick their thumb and wipe something off our face. When we lead in worship in this difficult season ahead, people should be able to see our faces. Hmm. And so light really matters because mm-hmm. eye contact is, is impossible right now other than through technology. That's and right. So, so, so what we did is we, we oriented a table toward a window. So the light is behind the camera. That's really important. And there aren't lights on behind us, which allows the light to really focus in on the eyes, which we think is really important because it, it's, it's a form of intimacy, right? When we make eye contact. So we just simply oriented the room toward a window. We don't have a bunch of big fancy lights. We just, we were lucky it wasn't too rainy of a day. We had a backup plan if we need it. And I can talk about that technicality later if we have time, but, but just facing face your face, facing a window, the camera um, between you and the window and not having distractions behind you, mm-hmm. not having um, a lot of light behind you really helps. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we designed it the way that we did. And then we pushed the piano over to the side. Now we were lucky. We were able to use two cameras. A lot of folks that are listening to this or watching this won't have that benefit. And so just prioritize light and closer up. The intimacy is really important. And then if you're doing it with multiple people in the room, you need to be sure that they take turns coming to the table just so that you're not potentially exposing each other to this awful thing that's floating around. Or also you want to be a good example to others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, it feels like, pastors and other church leaders are having to become technology experts in a really quick, uh, at a really quick pace. And we sort of acknowledge that churches have different technology. We're at different stages of uh, development already in terms of the use of technology in worship. And so um, I maybe just want to acknowledge that some, uh, some churches I heard used, for example, Facebook live to, uh, to stream their worship on uh, Sunday morning. And it's, you know, some of us have professional people on, uh, right. on staff who can work with technology. Some of us have volunteers who are already dedicated. Some of us might need to lean on the millennials, for hmm. example, in our midst and think, think creatively about who among us can we uh, lean on to help provide guidance for technology. Yeah, on that front, without getting into too much detail, and I'd love to make some resources available where we get into more detail, but a couple of insights. One is I do think that there are a ton of pastors out there that don't have access to much technology. Most of them probably do have access to a smartphone with a camera. Mm -hmm. Two, um, therefore, they can record things and play them for the congregation to hear live or after the fact. I would think that it might make more sense in those scenarios to invite those pastors to pre-record and share things and then offer other ways for the church to interact in the worship service after the fact, as silly as that may sound. Create an online gathering through Facebook, or there are multiple ways we can do it. Zoom is the best way to do it, but create an online platform or conference calls or, you know, whatever, where people have a chance to talk about the service and feed and um, maybe offer prayer concerns to each other. The worship service ideally is interactive, but if it can't be, interact after the fact, after pe- everybody's watched it 
at their leisure. Mm -hmm. The other thought would, oh, go ahead, Art, sorry. Yeah, you go. I was gonna say the other thought is, this is the time for all of us to remember that we are one church. Mm. So for those of us that have the blessing of this technology and are a little bit further ahead, y'all come worship with us mm -hmm. and let us put your pastor in our worship service mm. and bring greetings on behalf of your congregation and lead some of the service or maybe even preach the sermon. There are ways that we can help do that and others could. I can't promise that happen every week and then let your church gather together in a different way um, after the fact where it's just your group together. But I think if, you, if you're spending all of your time as a pastor right now trying to figure out how to do worship uh, technically, it probably means that you're missing the mark. Mm -hmm. Because right now is the time where shepherding is desperately needed, particularly for what the, what, the, what the first church would call the widows and orphans, right? Mm -hmm. This is the time to, not, to, to be sure that people that are living with high levels of anxiety or experiencing death of loved ones that live at a distance that may not even be virus related, but are still not able to gather with family or people that had to cancel their weddings or, you know, or then there's the people that get the virus and, and all, all that stuff. This is the time for us to shepherd. So if you're spending all your time figuring out digital worship right now, you're probably missing the mark. So it could yeah. be that you want to join the universal church for the next two or three weeks until you figure out what your version of worship is. That's right. So I want to encourage anybody that's got the know-how and already has these tools in place to offer invitations to some smaller churches that just don't, don't have that type of stuff figured out yet mm -hmm. without, and for the right motive, not, not for the idea of being a vulture and trying, you know, for the <laughs> right. right reason, just being right. together. Yeah. yeah. So that it doesn't feel odd or awkward or that one church is trying to poach members from another church, but that there are exactly. ways that we can be church exactly. together and also maintain our identity as congregations. Yeah. And, th and then disperse. Yeah. And then disperse and go find a different way to connect with each other and share life and pray together. Even if it's old school phone prayer chains, <laughs> you know, find other ways to connect, but don't let yeah. worship become 90% of what you're spending your time on is the point. That's sort of strange. Uh, I mean, it's strange that, you know, maybe the church has never been a better equipped to face this moment than now in terms of technology and social media. I mean, you know, how much can we do through this yes. alone and uh, in social media, we can find ways to connect and share. Uh, we just have to think creatively about it. Um, well, uh, our, and maybe this is getting too far ahead, but um, I'm, I'm wondering like you, if at some point in the next couple of weeks, uh, or in the not so distant future, we will un be under stricter quarantine or even lockdown here in the city of Richmond. Uh, are y'all thinking ahead to what worship oh, yeah. will look like in that context? Am I okay? Absolutely. And I think herein lies one of the other many challenges that we're facing right now is we're dealing with the moment at hand, but if we don't prepare for what's next, we're just going to find ourselves constantly scrambling. And so, um, one practical suggestion would be that maybe all of us should consider putting one worship service in the can to use technical knowledge, meaning pre-record a full worship service hmm. while, while you still have a little bit more mobility. Cause my, I think we have to plan for the worst. And then the worst case scenario is we wasted some time, <laughs> right? Uh, which yeah. is not great right now where time is precious, but there are a whole lot of our folks that have a lot of creative 
energy and giftedness that are sitting at home that probably could help figure this out. Okay, so one is have it'd probably be wise to have a backup plan or at least find a former service if you've ever audio recorded one or if you've ever video recorded one and be ready to use it if you need to from five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. Um, um, but then secondly, we're beginning to look at some options where um, I don't want to get too technical because I know, again, for those of you that are at home um, or in your offices hearing this and don't have access to these tools, this can be really frustrating. But there, there appears to be lots of creative ways where you can use Zoom and also live stream or even Facebook, it, it's, it would become more like what people might call a webinar. Um, and that's a high price deal, which we don't have access to, but we have lay people that work for corporations that may give us permission to use it, for example, mm -hmm. or, or universities that may have access to it, um, where we would be able to actually have somebody playing live music in their living room Mm -hmm. uh, and then it cuts over to somebody that's going to preach over here. And then you can also add in videos and what that would require is a millennial or <laughs> if you've got a techie and many churches do that would have the ability to kind of operate it like the wizard of Oz, basically from a distance, we'd all do it remotely. Mm -hmm. And um, that certainly seems feasible for us. We have a zoom account that we pay for it. It appears that for an extra $40 a month, we're going to have the ability to stream Zoom into live stream. And again, I know that sounds like mumbo jumbo to some of you and others. You're like, oh, really? That's interesting. I'll go look at that. So we cover the spectrum. And I know I keep giving disclaimers, but it's just really important to me that the little, the little, uh, not the little, but the smaller congregation that's like a one staff member congregation is checking out. So, so that is a possibility. And um, I think the easiest thing to do is all those pre-recorded videos. Mm -hmm. The other right thing to remember, Art, is Holy Week is coming. <laughs> right? Soon, like a freight train. And that's a gift to us because Easter, Easter, Good Friday's coming. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And to quote Compolo, as many of us have many times before, but Sunday's coming. Right? If ever the world needs to hear that Easter happens, it's now. Yeah. We should be thinking right now about Holy Week. Our local congregation, Tabernacle, is going to have a half-hour worship service every day during Holy Week, where we're going to take a pre-recorded Good Friday service that was based that's based on the Stations of the Cross, and we'll do a different station every day. We'll play a little auto, like a basically a choir piece about that station, and then we'll have a different person preach every day. It'll be a little half-hour service, and people that want to linger afterwards and and um, communicate, we would be able to do that through Zoom, perhaps. And then um, I'm starting to play around with some creative ideas about children at home making homemade palm branches or going out to their yards and getting their parents to record them parading and oh. doing a fun little video of a palm parade, which in our tradition at Tabernacle is a precious thing where they, they parade around the neighborhood on the city sidewalks. Um, but you should just be thinking now, how can we take the elements that are really important in Palm Sunday and Easter to us and find a creative way to share it with the world? So now would be the time to queue up your timpani player if you've got one to play. We don't, but if you do, you know, or just any of those cherished traditions, be thinking with some of your creative folks about how you could do that because Holy Week is coming and it, it's very, very important to the Christian yeah. church. It's the most important season or week of the year for us. So sorry to overwhelm more. Holy Week's coming. No. <laughs> 
uh, how amazing it is that we're in the season of Lent right now and in some regards how fitting. Uh, I don't think we'll be out of this by Easter, but I think that Easter will bring a a welcome word of hope and resurrection and life for people uh, when we are in some dark days. Yes, yes, yes. Well, um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, are there any other things that are sort of on your heart or mind about worship that, that you want to share? No, I think, well, yeah, just real quick. I just think that caring is sharing, right? I mean, like even the Holy Week stuff that I just brought up, like if you don't have the energy because you're shepherding or you're overwhelmed with what's happening at home in addition to your vocation, just jump on somebody else's, you know, live stream. Mm-hmm. And use it. And then again, find another way to connect. The other thing that I would add is, is that quality really matters and it doesn't have to be difficult. So like the light thing that I mentioned to you earlier is really important, but I would encourage you to do things like really pay attention to what's in the backdrop. You may have something embarrassing in your spare bedroom that you haven't thought of. Look at what's on the camera and be aware. And just like, just like when we, however you worship in your own tradition, my guess is that you don't just roll out of bed and not comb your hair or brush your teeth. You, you need to think about what you're presenting. Now I'm not telling you to get all gussied up. Like I'm not wearing a suit on Sundays. Sometimes I often wear a suit. Sometimes I don't wear a tie. Sometimes I do. Some of you preach in jeans and a t-shirt. I'm not prescribing how you should dress, but I'm saying don't let what you're wearing or what's in the background be a distraction of the worship of God. Right. And then also be mindful of when you've got the, the washing machine running in the room next door to you, right? Like just, or the, the pet, you know, that's barking in the distance. You don't think that's a big deal because you're used to hearing it. But when somebody's wearing earphones or projecting it, if you have your dog barking and you were to put a microphone on it, you'll hear what other people are hearing. So mm-hmm. just be mindful of distractions so that we can truly focus and quietly reflect and pray and worship God together, who's the audience. Don't let distractions um, make it nearly impossible for the end, the end congregant on the other side. I almost said end user, I'm using technical jargon, sorry. But you know, the, 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 um, I'm, we're calling them live stream, live stream congregants, uh, to allow the live stream congregant on the other end to not be able to worship because of your distractions. Yeah. It's ironic, I think that you're, you know, these are great reminders. Uh, and I am here in my bedroom. I had to sort of retreat from my kids. I was set up in my office to record this session and uh, life interrupts sometimes. But And that's you know, okay. There's grace. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, that's going to happen. It's okay. But just try to at least attempt to remove as many distractions as you can. They're going to happen. Like, yeah. Your air conditioning is going to come on. It's going to be 80 something degrees tomorrow. Your air conditioning is going to come on and you don't realize it's blowing straight into the microphone. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the last thing I would say, Art, because um, I want this to be helpful and practical is um, even in our video today, I've had an Internet unstable sign pop up on my screen a couple of times. It's hard to, to avoid that. But turn down the quality of your camera in your settings if you if you find that it's an issue and be sure everybody else in your house is off the bandwidth. Off Wi-Fi when you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And you have a backup. If you have a, a data plan, which most of us do on our cell phones, you do have a backup, which is to turn Wi-Fi off and allow your smartphone to be the broadcaster. Mm-hmm. That's not the ideal. But if you're standing by a window, hopefully you find the place that you've got the best signal. But if you don't have access to Wi-Fi or it's just too slow, 
um, that's worth remembering. That's important because mm -hmm. if you're not projecting out there, you're in trouble, <laughs> right? More, more people, uh, you know, at home right now means more people than ever are watching Netflix or Disney Plus. So this is a real yeah. technical challenge that we'll face. That's right. You got it. So well, make your family members at least shut it off, if not participate um, quietly. <laughs> right. Pull out the DVDs if you must. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and, and I, in the article that I mentioned earlier, they said, hey, pastors, remember, and I, I preached a long sermon Sunday, and we kind of giggled about it, that we should have a clock. We've never had a clock, but we probably should right now, is we have to remember that there are children running in circles around couches while people are trying to worship. So it, 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 could, it could be that there is tremendous benefit in you hitting the pause, encouraging people to hit pause if they need to, or watch it after the fact. Uh, just, just be aware of the, the experience on the other end for young parents in particular. Yeah. Parents of young children, sorry. Yeah. Well, tell me, let's talk a little bit about pastoral care if we can. Yes, what definitely. Big, and you've certainly alluded to this already, but what are some of your big concerns right now for the congregation and what are some of the strategies you all are trying to implement it to offer care? Um, I would be a hypocrite if I said that we are implementing, uh, but I would be honest if I said that we are beginning to figure out what implementation is going to look like, okay? Um, I wish I would have gone with my gut or maybe that holy nudge that God gave me to quote Douglas Steer uh, uh, two or three weeks ago to be thinking about this sooner. Uh, and forgive me, I've got a list here on my screen right next to this screen, so forgive me breaking eye contact. Um, one is to, we need to list our priorities, like figure out what matters the most and invest our time that way. So I think shepherding and pastoral care is probably the most important thing that we could do right now. Um, and two, it's to try to use as much creativity as we can to help people connect. And there's one thing I want to focus in particular on right now, because we're all working with our technology and the millennials that are going to help us figure out technology. But we need to remember there are people in our congregations that outright will not access the technology no matter what we do. I've heard, of, I, I was speaking to a colleague about an hour ago with another circle that was saying they're going to try to send DVDs of the worship services in the mail to people. I think it's a great idea. That's um, I, assuming people have DVD players, right? But I want to remind you that on your smartphone, regardless of the platform, you can conference call five people at a time or five mm -hmm. people total in the space at a time. Reach out. I want to encourage you to reach out to your congregants that are sitting at home and they aren't bored necessarily because there's anxiety. We're watching the news. Some of us are taking care of kids and a lot of us are telecommuting, right? So we don't want to overwhelm our congregants with requests right now, but in reminding the church of the mandate that Jesus gives us to be disciples in the world, we need to begin to provide practical ways for people to do that. I would encourage you all to ask your congregants that have smartphones to reach out to Sunday school class teachers where your older church members are and to ask them to schedule a time to meet with the people that they know are in their class that don't have access to this technology or aren't going to get it anytime soon and to, to ask that congregant to schedule a time to help those four people talk. Hmm. It's, it's Google it. It's super easy to, to conference call. And, you know, to get really creative with this, if you have a recording of your worship service or a solo that somebody sang or even a video recording that a family shared with their church about sending love, hold the phone up to the speaker on your computer and let, let the senior adult hear it. Like mm. we, we need to avoid this being the moment that we officially left the vulnerable behind. This mm. is modern day leprosy. 
and I know I'm, I tend to be rather melodramatic or way too dramatic always, sorry, but I think that if we aren't careful, if this ends up being a one-month thing, that's different than a four-month thing or a three-month mm-hmm. thing. Even one month is too long. Mm-hmm. We know, Jesus says over and over again, that the least of these should be at the forefront of our minds. Mm-hmm. So we should be thinking, how can we boil this down and reach out to these folks and help them connect with each other? Mm-hmm. If it's only the pastor who's already overwhelmed, I don't think it's going to happen, but so much. But re- just from a technological standpoint, use your, use your cell phone. Now, on other pastoral care stuff real quick, I know of at least five couples, none of them in my congregation, but people that were going to go that have had to cancel weddings. Mm-hmm. Think, of, think about how traumatic that is. Pastors, consider yep. marrying people over the internet. Maybe it's not <laughs> the official state wedding and you're not going to sign the wedding license, but it may be that you need to actually marry people over the internet. And then when it comes, this bothers me, the whole separate church state thing, there will be a, the couple can't file their taxes as married, you know, you know, all those practical things. But Offer to marry people. Reach out to the parents that have been working with their daughter forever to plan a wedding, you know, um, or, or their son. Uh, two, um, people are dying. Just to be very blunt, that's what people do. And the gift that is Easter is we believe in life on the other side, but we know that there's tremendous grief that happens when that happens. And I'm not even talking about the virus. I alluded to this earlier. I think pastors should offer congregants that have a loved one that has died. Like I've got a congregant who has a grandparent that died in multiple states away and they are heartbroken that they can't be together as a family right now. I think that we should offer to the family a conference call or a zoom call where we allow the family to come together and share stories and share remembrances just like we usually would as we gather with family to actually plan a funeral service. Are we planning the funeral service? No that we're providing that very unique, tender, one of the most sacred moments in a pastor's life is that moment of gathering together and offer to do that and pray with the family. They need a pastor to pray. Well, and somebody may say, well, you're not the deceased pastor. Well, so what? You know, then bring it up to the family member that you are connected with and and say, can somebody ask their pastor, or do you want me to ask mine if they'd be willing to do this? But I think it'd be easy to forget that. Then there's the people that are going to die from the virus, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother ball game. That's a whole nother podcast that I haven't even started to wrap my mind around. Um, almost done because I, I know I'm rambling. Um, and then um, last but not least, I think that we need to remember from a pastoral care perspective that the greatest care that a church offers is the care that it receives from one another. Pastors need to mobilize the Sunday school classes and the small groups mm-hmm. and the disciple teams and the committees to, to say, your, like, don't suggest it, find your key leaders, and once they understand the why, say, we need you to identify somebody in your group that will serve as the care coordinator. And that care mm-hmm. coordinator is going to be sure that they do a good job asking people in that unique small circle how we can be praying. And if it's appropriate, they'll always ask that question. They're going to feed that prayer concern back to the pastor or the staff so that the staff can find a creative private way to share that with the church at large, but only if it's appropriate. I think it's important that we remember that if we blast out people's private business on the internet without asking permission, we have breached trust. I think it's important we remember that when we put images of minors on the internet without 
um, permission from guardians, we have crossed a line that we should not cross. And so we need to find ways to coordinate the church caring for itself and in turn sharing that information with staff if it's appropriate and then the staff finding a creative way to share it with the entire church. I'm keeping a master document now along with the staff uh, that we're just starting to get organized on an up-to-date prayer list at all times. And anytime we interact with the congregation in a Zoom meeting or in any way that's not blasted out to the whole world, we're sharing that list. Mm-hmm. every single time. And then we're encouraging people to reach out and care for folks. Mm-hmm. Last thing, and I'm going to be quiet on this front, which is let's go ahead and mobilize our children and teenagers. Let's ask our children to begin drawing things that um, some of our lonelier or more anxious people would find meaningful to receive in the mail. And let's ask their parents to actually write a letter to that person before they send the picture in the mail. Let's mm-hmm. ask our parents of teenagers and children, if it'd be okay if adults in the church called the children or youth directly and just ask how they're doing and also ask if it'd be okay if we prayed with them. Let's do a good job as multi-generational church by mobilizing people when the time is right. And you'll have to decide when that is because every, again, everybody's overwhelmed right now. But mm-hmm. Those are some practical thoughts on pastoral care. Those are great. Yeah. And I hear you, you know, some of us, I feel like are set up well, um, based on where we live or the friend groups that we already have, the social mm-hmm. networks, we are checking in on each other regularly. Uh, but I hear you saying what, what we're trying to do in part is to create small communities of care that will check in regularly with one another. And that's uh, includes, for example, my Sunday school class. I'm going to follow up with people that shared prayer concerns on Sunday. And our small group is going to try to find ways to stay connected virtually. But then there's certainly others in the congregation that don't have uh, maybe the same robust social network or technological access that we need to to create ways uh, to to care for them and and make sure that they aren't being lost in the cracks. And if we aren't careful, we end up creating all these little mini churches, these, these micro churches, right? I would, I would urge you to talk to your Sunday school class about not only reaching out to each other, but to think about who sits, you know, most of us are guilty of always sitting in the same pew or the same section of our worship space. Who sits around you? I can think of five sweet senior adults that don't go to Sunday school and there's nobody thinking about them right now. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Yeah. Who, who do you sit around? And you, you know, right now we're working on a vulnerable list. I've asked all of our key leaders of Sunday school classes and committees and teams to send out this generic email, fill in the blanks. You know, I don't even know if people will realize it's a form letter that I wrote. That's basically saying, I want you to think about who the vulnerable people are that you can think of around you. And I want you to send that information in because we're making a vulnerable list right now. And it's of those people that don't have the circles that you're describing that we're going to end up leaving behind if we aren't careful. And I don't share that to create even more anxiety or guilt or shame that all the past, that pastoral leaders are already carrying. I'm, I'm encouraging pastoral um, leadership and lay leadership to remember that it's our job to equip the saints, not do all the work ourselves. And in the equipping, we also have to care for those everyday saints, right? So we can't just say work, 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 work. (laughs) So it's that tension again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And you have to, you know, juggle your own life and your own family and your own anxieties and new schedules and rhythms at the same time as, as trying to adapt to this new reality. I, uh, 
it's funny you mentioned, um, I'm thinking of a couple of uh, really kind older couples that sit right around us in worship on Sundays, typically, and how, uh, you know, how they tolerate and, and maybe even <laughs> enjoy sitting next to our kids as they push their feet on the back of the pew yeah. and inevitably talk, you know, during the hymns or, or prayer time. Uh, I, I wonder if it would be meaningful to them if my children sent them uh, letters and coloring. Guaranteed. And it's yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. What a great idea. And you, everybody, every church has got that one person that just gets it, right, from a caregiving perspective. It may be that that person needs to write a bullet list of 20 phrases that children could write on their artwork so that it's appropriate language, right? I mean, I don't want people being super nervous on this, but just if a kid draws something and puts something on it, like I'll, I'll be crass, um, I hope you don't get the virus because I know that you're in the high risk category. You know, you know, children in their black and white thinking, if we aren't careful, could say something very insensitive and not realize it. And so the church may be helping equip, you know, here are 20 phrases or 20 Bible verses the child could write on it or whatever. Just mm -hmm. we as parents need to be thinking in, in what my child's conveying to this very lonely, isolated person, is it, is it something that would ultimately do damage? So we just be careful is what I'm saying. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great thoughts. Um, any, are y'all thinking in, in any specific ways about other ways to keep members of the congregation connected? You know, you said the danger is that we become all these little mini church. How are we sort of sustaining the, the ties that bind us as a congregation and, you know, does that extend to fellowship opportunities virtually? Yeah. So um, the staff is uh, the staff is kind of not in harmony on this right now. We're not fighting about it by any means, but we're trying to figure that out because we don't want to overwhelm people, but we also want to provide opportunities. So my job as the pastor of the church is to see the whole flock and to constantly remind everybody there's more people than you are seeing in your own mind. Nobody's invisible, right? And so we, um, so what I think we're, what, well, first, what, what are we doing? We're providing a daily 1230 check-in where a prayer is being read uh, by, um, by our associate pastor, and then I'll do it tomorrow, and then people can share what's on their heart. It's a brief time, but it's just a daily check-in if you want that moment. Um, we have um, a staff member that is a yoga instructor, and she's about to start offering classes to children next week, once a week, which is really virtually. Fun. Virtually. We have, um, we did a Wednesday, our Wednesday night programming last night. And whereas our numbers were very low because it was online, all of us had people that showed up and those were in closed circles where it was just people that you would usually gather with and just kind of share life with and pray for each other. Uh, it was a good first attempt. We have not attempted children's programming yet. We are letting we are having the youth group gather with their mentors online as well and let me add this if you are a church that doesn't have access to zoom to be able to do this because you have a lot of tech savvy people in the church or millennials or younger that just it just comes naturally to but you just don't have the money i would encourage you to find a church that is using zoom and ask them if you can also use that account during designated time slots we should be sharing those of us that have the access to this should be sharing now we're all overwhelmed, right? I would, I would think this would be something that some of, our, um, some of our Baptist resources could also do. I don't know if it's something that CBF or for those of you that are SBC or even the ecumenical community, um, Virginia Baptist in this scenario for us could offer um, in addition to the other. Just 
we need to be thinking about how we can provide these opportunities. So even if you, what I'm saying is if you can't afford it, let's find somebody that's already has it and you can use it. Okay. Um, so now with, now with that little d disclaimer offered, let me say we're beginning to think about ways and art, your family inspired this idea uh, through the, another family that you've been doing with it. They art rights arts family has been doing something creative with other families. What is it? Uh, we have a bunch of things. We came up with fence charades. Is that what you're thinking of? Well, I'm talking or, about battleship yesterday, but oh, yeah, but board just talk, talk about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, we're finding really creative ways to connect with friends, adults and children. Um, I have a running list of board games and uh, other tabletop games that can be played through, you know, like this, um, uh, as a way to help my kids stay connected to their friends and us to, to stay connected to um, uh, role-playing games are one option. This is sort of narrative-driven storytelling games. Um, uh, Battleship, you can print and play, and you don't even have to, or you can draw your own board if you, you know, have a piece of paper. Uh, my son Julian played for about an hour yesterday through the screen, uh, and I could, I could cook dinner. It was brilliant. Um, That's awesome. We also, yesterday, we, um, we have neighbors who live within walking distance, and so we played what we're calling fence charades, uh, or maybe quarantine charades or something. So we set up on either side of the fence so that the kids couldn't you know, be tempted to run and hug each other. And we played a game of charades and uh, laughed and uh, had just had the best time, and it was really good for all of our, our souls. That's brilliant. I, I think the church could... could could and should take advantage of these types of ideas in creating free space in online meetings that we could host. Again, minors, we have to be careful. Remember that. There are ways to password protect this, or there can be an administrator that just kind of is the keeper to be sure that we don't have people in that loop that shouldn't be because minors are involved. Um, but um, I think what we're about to do is launch into creating these free blocks of time and people mm -hmm. show up. And one of the cool things about Zoom is breakout rooms. So you, mm -hmm. could, you could designate this two hour block of time, we're gonna have this Zoom meeting, but really what it is is three different breakouts or four different breakouts. And it's like, this is the game room for people that wanna play charades. And this is the prayer list room. And this is the grab a cup of coffee and let's just chat room. And then this is the room that's saying, I sure miss baseball starting, you know, whatever. <laughs> You know, it, 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 the church doesn't need to, to, uh, to micromanage it. Uh, quite honestly, I could set up something like that and use it as sermon writing time where I'm not even in one of the rooms, but every time the computer dings, it means somebody has shown up and needs to be assigned one of the rooms, and I could just simply throw them in a room and then back back out. So this is something that we're starting to think about. And then, and then we're, we are holding committee meetings online, but trying not to, uh, uh, trying not to do um, regular business as if none of this is happening. So again, if you're going to meet with committees, meet well for the right reasons. Right. Um, right. And then I teach a Bible study every, every Tuesday at noon for senior adults. And I'm doing that too. So, mm -hmm. but this is a weekend, you know, I mean, we're just figuring the beginnings of this out. I think, yeah. you know, Beth and I are struggling to get work done in the midst of caring for kids at home. And uh, my sense is that we're all just, shell-shocked still uh and i think you know as the yes. week wear on however long they may wear on uh it's going to become a new norm uh you know at least for weeks you know maybe a couple or three months um 
So I think it, yeah. I think it's critical that the church provides opportunity for people to gather in small closed groups and really just weep if they need to. Mm-hmm. I think that it's also very important that the church just opens the doors wide open and says, y'all come and we just do church together, but we're mindful of the, speci- the specificity of the information that we're sharing about people's personal lives in those spaces. Mm-hmm. But I think both are going to be critical in these weeks ahead. If it were one week or two weeks, it'd be different, but we're looking at weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. One of the most, I'll tell you, the, the most tender thing that I've done this week as it relates to this online stuff is last night, we invited parents of children to gather together. Now, I don't know that we did it at the right time. We still got to find a sweet spot of when to do this. But we said, shut the door, put in earphones so that, other, so that anybody in the house can't hear what's being said, and let's talk. And it was a beautiful moment of sharing. It took about half hour. And then, and then a devotion was shared by one of our staff members, and then... She prayed for every single person's child that was represented in that room. And it was just beautiful. Mm. And then we gave permission. I think it's important at the end of every meeting to say, if you've got to run, you're not being rude. Just leave. Like it's over. Go. But if some of you want to linger and visit, you can. And some of us did. We lingered. And it was beautiful. And so the church providing an opportunity for parents that are feeling trapped, I hate to use that word, but trapped in their own houses three weeks from now because their children don't have all these outlets that's so necessary. We need to be church to those folks. We also have, a, have to find a way to be church to these children. And so getting their Sunday school teachers to do a one-on-one video call with children and just say, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and just have good soul searching, soul care conversations. This is to circle around where we started. It's this shepherding of that Jesus, Jesus puts a shepherd in all of us. And it's our job to shepherd one another, which means care for each other. And we need to remember that more than the digital programming and digital worship stuff. And, you know, all the technical stuff, it's this connecting and praying for each other. That's going to be critical. Yeah, hearing, hearing somebody pray for my children, and my children are grown, they're teenagers, but hearing somebody else pray for my three children by name out loud last night meant the world to me. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, thank you. You know, and um, uh, it, it, it feels at times like it's going to be, and we've talked about this a little bit already, but like the, the, the technological challenge is, is steep for some of us. Yeah. Uh, Zoom software uh, you keep mentioning, and that's that's what we're recording via right now. And you that's can have a free Zoom about. account, just so you know. Okay. You don't have the bells yeah. and whistles like recording, and it automatically kicks you out of the meeting after an hour. But you can download a free Zoom account. You just got to keep it to an hour, just right. so you know. Yeah. Um, but even you know, I have I've I've been calling more people this week than I have in a long time, and. Uh, I heard you say earlier, we can conference call. So we could conference call small pockets of members of the congregation and pray for them, pray for their children uh, and do those same sorts of things. So, yeah, it's the Lenten season. It's the season that we not only soul search and, and think about the things that have control over us. And every time that they jump up in our hearts, we think, I wish I longed for God the way I longed for that, right? Yeah. This is the season where we really think about who we are and how we are how we're living into our calling as disciples. Yeah. I think that there's the, one of the, the, the gracious gifts in this moment 
is that all of us are more open right now. You know, one of the gifts of being broken open is there's more for God to fill up. We have this friend named Doug Coppage, a congregant that he and his wife Lee live in Hungary. They're amazing people. And he talks about the love of God being like this waterfall that just never stops. And even though your cup is broken, mm -hmm. when you approach the love of God, it just fills that cup and doesn't stop. It doesn't matter that it's broken. And so we're all aware of our brokenness right now and our fragileness and the anxiety. But the reality is, is I think we're more open to doing things like actually praying out loud for each other mm -hmm. <laughs> or at least agreeing. Let's not talk for the next minute and agree that we're just going to pray silently for each other. I think that a month ago, there are a lot of people that wouldn't even consider such a thing that would right now. This is the time to take risk. It's the time to be mm -hmm. open to God using you in a different way. Mm -hmm. There are going to be some, some uh, as hard as this time is, there are going to be some silver linings. Uh, and it's going to fundamentally change, I think, who we are as church, uh, you know, if not yeah. for months or years, maybe for a generation or more. And so there is opportunity and promise in this time. Um, this may very well be our reformation. It really may be the... the the 500th anniversary, it comes every 500 years. This, this may be the reformation that we thought was coming. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, more power to the Holy Spirit to work uh, right. through this yeah. strange and difficult time. Um, I want to be mindful of our time because we're trying to keep this to an hour. But I wonder if you, Sterling, and there's so many other things we could talk about and still have to talk about as we sort of navigate uh, through this um, rapidly evolving context, but what are you doing, if you don't mind sharing, just to keep yourself healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually right now? Um, I am, I'm being more intentional in how I interact with God. Hmm. I'm making a conscious effort as much as I am in the washing of my hands to not just sit down and launch right in and to take advantage of the quietness and to try to find stillness and use that as a time to listen. Mm. I am failing miserably in the, <laughs> the care of my physical body right now. Mm. Like uh, pastors um, and lay leaders alike that are in charge with trying to figure out how to do this are are, as you said earlier, are trying to figure out a way to not only do this, but also figure out how to, how to be home, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm struggling with that. My hope is, is that I can move to, to something that looks like a more intentional blocking of my days, to be intentional about taking my day off, or at least to take a 24-hour period off, even if it's not in a day, to start it maybe in the middle of a day and end it in the middle of the next day. I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm thinking about how to build a new rhythm, but all of this is coming so fast. I'm struggling with it. Not, I mean, I'm sleeping. I, I didn't, the first three nights I just, just about didn't sleep because I would wake up in the night with just anxiety, to be honest. Yeah. I think a lot of us are really struggling with that. Not just pastors, everybody. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. That's not unique. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, that doesn't make me special. It just makes me one of like everybody else. But I have since found myself trying to be more deliberate about trying to do some exercises and to be way more deliberate in what I'm eating, especially, but mostly it's trying to appreciate stillness mm. and to hear God in it and to break bad habits of relying on texting and emailing to communicate and to do, to prioritize 
hearing somebody's voice and letting them hear mine more because I think Jesus is in it. One of those two or more gathered things. Mm. Yeah. Even if it's virtually. <laughs> yeah. Um, walks have been really good for me and my family. Um, and I'm struggling with the sort of like flood of news and social media that I want to consume. And I, I find that I need a blackout time uh, that I that I just set that aside. Um, but it is a struggle. You know, I'm thinking as you're talking, there are good traditions within the church of solitude, of yes. stillness, of silence, of wilderness as the place where we meet God. Uh, and we're in the season of Lent, and it sure feels like we're in a wilderness season right now. And we don't, you know, the Israelites wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be 40 years, but it might feel like it to some of us. Yeah. Um, but my hope is that we can find ways to encounter God even in this wilderness journey. Yeah, and Art, I know you may have, end up having to make a bonus track out of this or split this thing up because it's going long, but I think that that is a super helpful visual and reminder because as Israel wandered in the wilderness, the longer they wandered, the more selfish they got and the more that they mm. took their focus on what it meant to be a called people. Something that we haven't gotten into in this podcast, I think appropriately so, because we're right now we're just trying to figure out how to do this, mm -hmm. but the the missional component must be part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. If this is the time that we turn inward and we just take care of ourselves and even just each other in the church, we have ceased to be church. Mm -hmm. So if this wandering that we're in right now isn't very deliberate, I think it could end up playing out in a very similar fashion. Yeah. So we just need to be really careful. You know, solitude and isolation are two very different things. Mm, agreed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So sorry to get preachy, but I just think I'm, I, I'm mindful of the fact that this is the one component that we haven't officially moved toward. And that's okay. Like, it's not like I don't feel embarrassed about that or shame. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm having to remind myself that the church is needed, that we, mm -hmm. if we are truly believe we're the body of Christ, we are needed in the world. And mm -hmm. I believe God is already revealing to us small ways and even big ways that, that, that we will be an extension of Christ's hands in the world. And we're going to need our leadership at the higher levels to, to help organize that and mobilize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it feels like this is the, the right place to um, end or maybe say push pause uh, or say stay tuned. I had sent you questions yet last night. Uh, and then this morning I thought, and I typed into my own notes, mission, we have to talk about mission because yes. uh, we have to continue being the presence of Christ. I would say, you know, in some senses, this is a traumatic experience uh, for humanity. Uh, it, it's going to take a little bit of time for us to figure that out, but it certainly holds promise for the church to be the presence of God in the world for people. Uh, we just, we just need to figure it out. That's right. Yeah. Well, um, Sterling, thank you so much for this chance to talk today. Oh, what a, what a blessing it is. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Rick, mostly Everybody. just good to see your face, but it's been such a yeah, you too. So, um, I am praying for you specifically and your family, uh, and our entire pastoral staff. I'm praying for churches and church leaders uh, locally, nationally, globally, as we mm. all try to figure this out together. Um, we, we love you all. We know that God is working in the midst of this, uh, and we are going to find 
find ways to support each other as we try to be church together. So thank yes. you. Yes, yes, yes. Godspeed. Right. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. Bye.